Welcome to MedKinza Talks, your go-to source for bite-sized content in becoming future doctors. I'm your host, Kinza Hussein, and I'm a second-year medical student helping students navigate the ins and outs of one of the most competitive careers. I will be sharing the lessons I've learned and inviting guest speakers to provide real quality advice to help you get into medical school, succeed as a med student, and prepare you to become a future doctor. Want more free quality advice? Subscribe to my YouTube channel and follow me on Instagram at MedKinza, where I post videos and infographics delivering content to you every week. Now sit back, relax, and learn something new. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of my latest episodes released every week. Hey, welcome. This is episode 21. In this episode, I have the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Sahil Mehta. Dr. Mehta is a founder of Med School Coach and nationally known as one of the premier experts in medical school admissions. He graduated from Columbia University with a Bachelor's of Science in Civil Engineering and attended the University of Chicago Pritzker School of Medicine. Dr. Mehta went on to residency and fellowship at Harvard Medical School and Massachusetts General Hospital. He is a practicing interventional radiologist specializing in minimally invasive endovascular procedures. He has also been involved in admissions consulting and tutoring for years. As the founder of Med School Coach, he has a hand in thousands of successful medical school applications and led the organization to begin to being one of the fastest growing ed tech companies in the US. Hi, Dr. Mehta. Thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? Thanks for having me. This is great. Yeah, of course. I love connecting with different types of people on the podcast. And I feel like today we have an amazing guest who is going to be able to speak towards medicine and the business side of all of that. So I'm really excited to start and asking, start and ask you some questions about that. Yeah, I'd love to talk about anything, uh, anything you got. All right. So our first question for you is, after coaching hundreds of students to help them get into medical school, you must have a good grasp on what their applications look like and what admissions offices like to see. If you could only give one piece of advice to current pre-meds to increase their acceptance ch chances, what would be your number one advice? So I'm going to answer this in a way that probably doesn't give just one piece of advice because it's kind of impossible on an individual level to generalize the entire process, right? I mean, listen, medical school and admissions committees at the end of the day, they wanna recruit a diverse class, right? If they just wanted to recruit one type of person, um, their classes would be super boring and medicine wouldn't progress forward, right? So obviously all schools are looking for people who are academically capable, right? MCAT score, GPA is really the barometer that we have for that. Without academic capability, most schools are going to pass on you because they just have they just have limited number of slots. So as obvious as the advice is, obviously doing well academically on the MCAT and you know sort of through your undergrad career is just super important in the entire process. But that's that's obvious, right? Everybody knows that you got to do that. Um, I would say that the you know the other thing that you want to do as a pre-med is sort of think through your story and why you're going to make a good physician at the end of the day and structure your activities, the, the things you take part in, the research you do, the extracurriculars, the clinical experience, maybe structure it around there so that you can paint and develop a story. So med schools are going to be much more interested in people who um, have a you know, depth of experience rather than this giant breadth of experience, 
that really tells them, oh, you know what, this person has clearly been interested in medicine and not just medicine, but is maybe interested in the public health aspects of medicine and has done a bunch of research on obesity. Um, and oh, by the way, you know, they spent two years for Teach for America and they were, you know, teaching nutrition to eighth graders, right? Like, like that sort of narrative goes a whole lot further um, than saying, well, I was the president of AMSA and I also did this thing and I did this thing and this thing. I mean, all those things are very, very compelling, but it doesn't necessarily paint that like distinct narrative of who you are as an applicant and keeping in mind that medical schools just have so many people to choose from, right? Even people with 515s or 520s and 3.8 GPAs get left out. And the reason they get left out is because they don't have that narrative around their application. So it, you know, think through a little bit about what makes you a unique applicant or what, at the very least, what you want a school to know about you, right? Like ask yourself the question, if I was in med school and I had two applicants, both with 520s on their MCAT, why would I choose me, right? Like, I think that's an important question. And if your answer is simply, well, I've done more clinical experience than the other person, uh, I don't know. Like, you know, the other person may have, may have less clinical hours. They have mess, may have less shadowing hours, but maybe they have a really compelling story behind them. Maybe they've put together a, a narrative that makes a whole lot more sense. So one piece of advice, I don't know if I have it, um, other than, you know, just do well and maybe don't give up on the process either, by the way, you know, just because you don't do well initially, you know, you, I've worked with people who've had F's on their transcript and multiple F's on their transcript yet have gotten their act together, right? They've done something and they've, they've matured. They've, there's a light switch that goes on. They've done master's programs, whatever it might be. There's ways to get around and still continue. If this is really what you want to do, um, then you can do it makes it a lot easier if your grades are really good and your MCAT score is really good. But even if you don't have that, you can still get to that point. Yeah, no, that was really good advice. And if I were to condense what you said to your number one advice, I would say it's creating a narrative. And I give that advice to pre-meds too when they're trying to write their essays. And it's really easy to say, oh, I have great time management because X, Y, and Z, or I wanna do medicine because X, Y, and Z. But I always tell people to show rather than tell, because that is how you create your narrative. That's how you tell your story. It's by telling a story. So if you had a patient experience that shows maybe that you have great time management or that you have great empathy or et cetera, telling that story is way better than just listing it out in your essays um, when you're talking about your activities or even your personal statement essay. So that is probably the number one advice because students with different GPAs and different MCAT scores that are applying, say you have lower stats, if you can create a really good narrative, I'm sure that increases your chances by a lot. Absolutely, definitely does. All right, so our next question is, coming from an entrepreneurial mindset, what were the steps you took to start your company, Med School Coach, and how did that entire process kind of unfold? So um, the entrepreneur mindset is interesting because ever since I was little, I was always doing things. Um, and a lot of those things involved 
somehow making a quote unquote company out of it. None of them were real companies, but I was somebody who was tutoring when I was in high school. And I told my guidance counselor, hey, if you have any students who need private tutoring, like tell them to contact me. Uh, I was the guy who was going around fixing computers for people in the neighborhood. And um, I was also the guy who was shoveling snow for people in the neighborhood. So all these like little things that um, I would do and start and think through were just it was always interesting to me, right? Like, how do you put together a product? How do you put together a quote-unquote company? How do you get a service that somebody's interested in? And how do you sell yourself and make sure that somebody, you know, will buy that? Um, you know, when it came to tutoring, I was the best high school tutor that there was. Like, I was really able to take an eighth grader and show them a lot about chemistry. And when it came to shoveling snow, I may not have been the best snow shoveler around, but I had a guy, I had a friend who had a snowblower, and so we went around stumbling show. Like, you know, it's it's the ability to take what you're good at and then um, have other people trust you that I think is, at the end of the day, a little bit about what entrepreneurship is about. Now, Med School Coach started... Um, you know, somewhat by accident in, in the sense that I went through the process myself. And then I had many friends who came to me and said, hey, you know, you did really well. Can you look at my essay? Can you help me interview prep? And I was helping them. And I realized that there was a lot that was lacking in some people's applications, right? They didn't know how to sell themselves. Uh, going back to selling yourself, they didn't know how to like put together their experiences on paper in a way that differentiated them from somebody else. And I was somebody who at least at that time was really good at doing that. And so I would work with them and rework their essay. And at some point I said, Oh, you know what? There's maybe a little business in here. It would be a nice little business. And so that's when we started. Now, since then uh, we've grown, you know, exponentially. And really in the last couple of years, we've really sort of expanded the stuff that we do and made our focus to be a company that's all about somebody who wants to get into med school and through med school and wants to be a doctor and get, you know, become a physician we can help them in that process. And we help them through a variety of different aspects, whether it's sitting down one-on-one -on -one with a mentor and moving through your application and trying to think through what you're gonna do, uh, whether it's you know studying on the go with an MCAT app and making sure that you're, you know, uh, can watch videos when you're on the bus or, you know, in the car, not in the car, don't watch videos when you're in the car, when you're on the bus or sort of um, at the gym, listening to a podcast on the MCAT or on the USMLE, like, it's just a way it's a ecosystem of learning that we're trying to develop and that we're developing for anybody who's interested in medicine a one-stop place where people can go and sort of um, get the advice they need and get the content they need uh, to make this happen because it's a you know it's a it's an arduous process as you know right there's a lot of different pathways you can take and sometimes the littlest things like a guide through that can make a big difference for people, right? People are oftentimes looking for despair, looking at disparate advice on things like forums and, um, you know, uh, Reddit and student doctor. And, you know, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of junk, some good stuff in there, but it's a lot of junk in there and people kind of, they go crazy. Right. Um, and so having a good mentor through the process, having a good guide to that process really makes a big difference. Um, and, you know, today, Med School Coach, like we're, we're a pretty large ed tech company um, that can help students in all these aspects. And honestly, when I started the thing, I never had any aspirations of that. I did not think that's what it was going to become. I said, hey, I'll make a couple of bucks on the side and I'll help some people get into med school. It just happened that 
people loved it and people really had really great success with it. And they saw that, oh, you know what, this is something that can really help me. And it just grew by word of mouth and grew and grew and grew to the point where it is today. Um, and so it's been a very fun journey to sort of grow it to where it is today. Um, there's definitely missteps along the way. And that's part of the fun. Um, and, you know, it, it just accelerates, honestly, every day in, in ways that I never thought I would. Yeah, no, that's really awesome. So would you say it kind of started off as like you creating a website with just your information and saying, hey, I offer these services. And then when it started growing and did you feel that you couldn't handle that many applicants maybe at the same time? Did you start hiring out and growing Med School Coach in that way? Yeah, so the starting point was simply, hey, like come to me um, and I can help you through the application. Um, you know, it, it very quickly developed into, oh, you know what, there are other people who are very good at this. Um, and there are other, um, you know, physicians who really like doing this. In fact, like the dean of my old med school pulled me aside and was like, you know, when I retired, I thought this was what I was going to do. I would help some people get into med school because I knew all this stuff. And so it, it basically, we st I started hiring people. I started hiring people who were retired off of admissions committees. I started hiring um, other um, physicians who had sat on admissions committees because they were like, I love doing this. They, they realized that the mentorship aspect and helping people guiding through was so interesting. And so um, as we grew as a company, we needed more people and we brought in more people to provide this, you know, great advice. Um, and, you know, for years, that's what it was. We were growing at some, at some relevant pace. We would bring in people. Um, I would do essentially everything back office related. And that's why I got really interested in things like accounting and marketing and how to like, how to uh, and even development and like coding. And this is all stuff that I sort of learned along the way, uh, which is, which was a lot of fun. And, you know, now the learning continues for me as I, I continue to learn sort of how to be a leader in the, in an education space, right? How to like, how to take, um, initially I was doing everything and I was doing all the advising. Then I was overseeing some of the advisors. Now I have 275 people in the organization who work for us. And so, you know, that, that's a very different skill set that I have to develop. And it's cool because I'm learning that every day. I'm learning how to manage all these people. I'm learning how to sort of be a executive, not necessarily be a doer. And so that's what's part of the fun of the evolution of Med School Coach for myself is yeah. that I've had to wear all these different hats and continue to definitely have to push myself to new levels that um, I am not used to. But that's, that's part of the fun. Yeah, no, that's so interesting. And I feel like I, I could ask you question after question on the nuances of starting a business and maintaining a business. I hired my first like website designer, right? And I feel like I don't even know what kind of systems you're supposed to put in place. Like, do you charge or do you pay them hourly? Do you pay them by project? How do you track everything? Like, I just create Excel sheet after Excel sheet after Excel sheet. Like, how do we basically, how do we monitor the amount of work that's being done, when it's being done, how many hours it took? So there's just so many systems behind all of this too. And I could go on and on, but I, I do want to move on to the next question as well and ask, how did you manage your time? being, um, I believe you were already a resident maybe when this started. How did you manage your time doing that and also starting this business? Yeah, I mean, so one of the things is that um, I loved what I was doing. I loved working with students. I loved uh, even doing like the marketing and the website and sort of like tinkering. And so time management uh, was always something where I felt like 
it didn't matter what I was doing. I was enjoying it. Right. And so instead of, you know, watching the Netflix show, I would be working on the website um, yeah. or tinkering with something. And that brought me enjoyment and it sort of brought me, um, it brought me satisfaction. And so that's why I was able to sort of do both. And it, it's not always easy, but I think if you really truly enjoy what you they always say, if you really truly enjoy what you're doing, it's not a job, right? It's, it's yeah. something that you love. And this is what I love to do. And it was a lot of fun. Now, it wasn't easy always. And I can tell you that I was definitely like, I would come home from the hospital and I'd get on calls. I would, um, on weekends, I would give up my weekends and sort of be on calls um, or be tinkering or doing anything. And it's still to this day, as I sort of balance both careers, it's not always easy by any means. And I wish I had more time for one or the other. Um, but I think it goes back to, if you enjoy what you're doing, then it's fine, you know, and you yeah. have a good time. No, I really love that answer, actually, because you're right. It doesn't feel like a job, except for when you're dealing with just the harder aspects of the business, when things aren't working the way you want, or when you don't know how to code something on the website and everything's just not where you want it to be. Like, those are the harder aspects that might be a little bit more frustrating. But I agree. I think if anyone wants to start something, it won't feel like a job if they actually like it. And um, I was going to ask something. It just slipped my mind. I was going to say something. No, but I guess just going off of that, do what you love and it won't feel like a job. Great advice. The next question I have for you is I have found that with a business oriented mindset comes financial awareness. Graduating medical school with a significant amount of debt is not something every student may understand the gravity of until those payments start. What tips could you give current med students about making financially smart decisions today for a better tomorrow? So yeah, med students don't know anything about money for the most part, right? Um, you know, and, and I, I could extrapolate that to doctors don't know anything about money. And obviously I'm making very big generalizations, but yeah. I'll tell you even in my own, in my own practice, um, you know, my colleagues, most of them come to me and ask me advice on anything money related. And that's not to say that I, I know everything about finance by any means whatsoever, but at least I, I feel like I'm a little bit well-versed in some of these aspects, right? Um, and I think it's important to be well-versed in some of these aspects um, because other people have it. As a medical student, you, you sort of, you are in this big swing, right? You're like paying, 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 paying. You have all this debt that's accumulating. Yeah. Then you get your first job as a resident and you're making not a lot of money. And so you're sort of like focusing on that. And then you finally graduate or you finally finish fellowship, you know, six years later. And then all of a sudden that first big paycheck hits. And, you know, all that time you've been doing essentially nothing with your, with any money that you may have been saving or any money. Like you haven't been learning about investing. You haven't been, you've been just like sort of so focused on how do I make it to the next day? Or can I start paying down this debt? Like that's what everybody focuses on. So, um, you know, again, I, I think taking a step back and saying, okay, what are, like, where are the right, what do I need to learn, right? And how do I need to get there? And today there's like just ample amounts of information out there between YouTube and books and podcasts and everything else where you can just sit down and say, okay, you know, I'm going to spend a couple hours just learning about indexing, 
like what is an index fund and why should I be investing my money that's sitting in a savings account and an index fund instead? Maybe I have no money in that savings account, but at least let me understand like what the S&P 500 is and how I can invest in it. And you know, those are like baseline things that I think that we as physicians, most of us don't have an understanding of it, right? Like you, you take the average, you, you, you take an average graduating class and you, and you ask them like, hey, what's a low cost index fund from Vanguard? And most of them will stare at you blank faced and say, I think I know what the Krebs cycle is, right? Um, but you know, at the at the end of the day, this is this is important because you're you're you have a lot of earning potential as a physician. You have to put it to good use and you have to think smart and strategically about the decisions you make as a med student, but definitely as a resident and hundred percent sort of as an attending when you finally hit that, you know, salary threshold that you've been waiting for. And if you don't think along these lines, you're going to get taken advantage of at some point as well. Um, you know, medicine has become a very much driven by management, right? We all know that administrators and stuff are kind of who has been driving so much of medicine. And so it's important that we sort of, as physicians, have some background in, in this. And so I guess the piece of advice I'll give um, students is, hey, listen, um, make sure you sort of start learning about some of this stuff, right? Um, just listen to some podcasts. Um, get the basic understanding of, of it, and that will help guide you as you sort of reach a threshold where you can finally start doing some stuff with your money. Yeah, and in terms of like specifics, I guess I'll just talk a little bit about what I've done um, just to give some people who are listening right now some tangible advice. I think the first biggest thing is understanding what debt really means. Like we get a paycheck, right, to pay our tuition, to pay for our living expenses. And I think a lot of students don't realize like, hey, this money is money I have to pay back in the future plus interest. But it's so easy to just see that as money that's yours in your bank account for you to spend on whatever you want to spend. And like even a Starbucks coffee, if you're a coffee drinker and you're getting Starbucks using your loan money, even if it's not every day, even if it's every week, it still adds up. So the $7 you might be paying today for a coffee might cost you $40 in just two years, right? So I think people don't realize that and you have to make really smart decisions every month about where your money is going, how much you're eating out, how much of it is actually your money versus the loan money. That's like one thing that I've really tried putting an effort into being aware of. So I have a spreadsheet that I calculate, you know, what are my expenses every month? Where That's am fantastic. I putting money? Yeah. And I really recommend people to just make a quick spreadsheet that you add tabs to for the month, every month, just see where your money is going. Cause I'm not going to remember that Starbucks that I bought like three times in a row last month, unless I put it down. I won't remember. Yeah. So that's like one piece of advice I would give. And I think that's really where people should start. I, I, I mean, you know, listen, budgeting and having an understanding of sort of where your money is going is so important early on, particularly when you don't have a lot of money and particularly or, and yeah. or if that money is, um, you know, debt. Um, you talked about a spreadsheet, which is fantastic, but there's also like plenty of apps and those kind of things, you know, I mean, I started with Minted years ago, <laughs> and now there's like a thousand more that can help you with these things on sort of an every minute basis, right? Like True, yeah. automatically feed in like when you swipe your credit card somewhere. And yeah, you know, if you're 24 and starting med school, you, you 
that's really, those things are important. And if you can start doing that, you're going to set yourself up better in the future. Um, and what's going to happen is you are hopefully going to make decisions in the future then that aren't driven by money. Um, and that's important because like, you know, choosing a specialty um, can be a huge thing. And a lot of students end up saying, I got to choose the highest paying specialty even though they may be miserable in it and they may love something else or, and even further than that, right. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll take my own example. Like I work in an academic institution. Why do I work in an academic institution? I definitely do not get paid as much as I could elsewhere. I get paid double, maybe even triple or more than that. If I went to go work in private practice. Now that's a decision that a lot of people hundred percent would make. I'm in a position where I'm fortunate enough not to have to make that decision. Um, because of some of the other steps I've taken. And I decide to work in the academic practice because I like taking care of residents. I like teaching fellows. I like doing the most complex cases that are out there. I yeah. like working in a tertiary care center. And so I've kind of decided that that's what my, my sort of fulfillment as an interventional radiologist comes from that. And if I hadn't made smart decisions, then you know what? I probably would be in private practice because then it's very easy to see that, hey, you know, a three times X, a three X, um, you know, return or three X, you know, extra salary here would make a big impact of why wouldn't I go do that? Well, I would be trading it for, you know, doing cases that I'm not as interested in, not having a, the intellectual stimulation of teaching and giving back and those kind of things. And it would be a big trade-off in my life and I wouldn't enjoy it. Um, but I may have to make that decision one way or the other, right? And of course, everybody's decision is going to be, you know, driven by their own personal circumstances. Right. But try to set yourself up and put yourself in a position where you don't have to make decisions in the future because of your financial situation. Um, because at the end of the day, all physicians make enough money to have a very, very, very comfortable lifestyle. Period. End of story, right? Like, you're going to be fine. Um, and if you, you know, no matter if you're internal medicine, family medicine, or you're an orthopedic surgeon, you, you're going to be fine financially. Yeah. As long as you've sort of set yourself up for that. Yeah. And kind of going off of that, I think I'm glad that we were talking about it now. That was my goal to talk about it now, because a lot of my listeners are either pre-meds or they're in medical school. And right now is kind of the time to think about that. And as long as you can realize that where you are now in life as a student may not be where you are when you're a physician. So you might think like, oh, you know, I have nothing to worry about. I'll make all the money that I need to make when I'm a doctor and it'll pay off my loans. It'll pay for my life and I'll be totally fine. But I think as we get older, we also have increasing expenses. So maybe your expense, mine are about like a thousand dollars, including rent because I live in Maine. So it's cheaper there a month. Right. So I look at that. And I'm like, all right, when I make X amount of salary, like that's nothing, but I'm going to be in a different place in my life. I may want a house when I'm older. I might want a nicer car. You have car payments. If you start a family, you're going to have even more expenses, um, more food expenses, more clothing, like everything just goes exponentially higher. So I think just being aware of that too would be a really great place for students just to know like, hey, my expenses are going to look a lot higher in the future let's make financially smart decisions now. So I have an easier time paying off the debt that I do accrue and living my best life earlier. Yeah. I mean, 
it sounds like you're certainly making great financial decisions yourself and I'm happy to see that you're spreading it to others because it's 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 necessary you know it, I it's kind of like the evil of the MCAT and the GPA right like having good MCAT and having good GPA is necessary to get into med school in some in some <laughs> ways um, you know having some financial um, savvy and uh, trying to you know become debt-free eventually is is necessary right I mean yeah, none of us want to necessarily think about it. We all went into medicine for altruistic reasons um, at the end of the day, but it's still a necessary evil that we should be thinking about. Uh, because again, if we don't, you're gonna put yourself in a position which you don't want to have to. You're gonna make decisions in the future that maybe weren't in your best interest um, because you're just thinking financially and not thinking um, career-wise or what's fulfilling you. Yeah, completely. And even to be even more specific, it's going to be those monthly debt payments that you have to, like you have no choice. You just have to pay yep. those and those are coming out of your paycheck. And that's probably what is going to lead people to make different decisions to be financially, like to stay afloat. So my last question for you on the podcast today is what is one thing you wish you had known when you began your career in medicine and business so kind of just more specifically like what's one thing that you know now that you didn't know back then that you wish you had um i mean there's a lot of things <laughs> uh but you know there, there's a lot of things that i i wish i had known um but let me i mean i think you know, one of the, th just because there were a lot of things that maybe I should have known, I learned them along the way. And that was an okay way to learn them. And, and actually maybe that's one of the, maybe that's my top lesson, which is that it's totally okay to learn as you go. It's, it's sort of, it's what we have to do sometimes. Um, and particularly when you're trying to balance a career or two careers in business and medicine, um, learning as you go is is totally fair particularly on the business side you just have to you you have to realize that trial and error is is totally fine sometimes and you're going to take a step back and then hopefully you're going to take two steps forward um there are a lot of people who over the years have said like you need to choose one you need to figure out you know which one you want to do you can't do both medicine and have a you know entrepreneurial business career um, and that's something that I've always sort of pushed back on and said, no, you know what? I like both. I get enjoyment out of both. I'm good in some senses at both. I'm going to do both, you know, um, and I don't have to choose one. I just have to make sure I have the right people around me. I balance my time that I sort of um, am efficient in what I do. And then I can do both. Um, and so I guess, you know, it's, there are a lot of people who might be business oriented within medicine. I've seen a lot of people who sort of drop out of clinical medicine and sort of just pursue the business side. Um, and then I see people who come back and they're like, I didn't like the business side. So you know, there, there's an opportunity maybe to, for more people to kind of explore both and, and be um, both. And by the way, just be, you don't have to have a totally separate business. Like you can be very entrepreneurial within medicine, right? Like um, you can yeah. completely, you know, be entrepreneur within medicine in ways that are different than maybe your colleagues have thought about, right? Um, and that's a skill set that is 
very reasonable and very appealing to a lot of practices and centers, right? And that's something that you can still take away in this and make sure that you, you push forward in that even if you don't have your own business, right? Um, within medicine, within your own clinical practice, there's so much you can do. And I mean, I've taken that in my own clinical practice, I've sort of taken a bunch of entrepreneurship aspects that I've learned and actually put it into play in my own clinical practice. And that's been really, really impactful in me recruiting patients and sort of having a, a national reputation in some of the procedures that I do, because I've been able to, in some ways, market. Um, you got to back it up with clinical results. You got to be very good technically in, in the field yeah. that I'm in. Um, so you can't just can't just have a billboard and uh, a bunch of Google ads. That's not going to cut it. You have to really still be able to take care of patients and do really good by them and perform the procedures and surgeries that I do in a, in a way that is effective and um, works. But you can sort of take some of those aspects and still be entrepreneurial within medicine. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. You're right. I see so many advertisements, like all the marketing that goes behind running a hospital or even a clinic it's out there everywhere. You see the billboards, you see the signs, you see the little pop-up ads when you're, you know, searching the web. So it's all very interrelated. Definitely, definitely, 100%. Well, thank you so much for joining the podcast and answering some questions about both medicine and business. It was wonderful to have you here. And for those of you that are listening, if you've enjoyed the podcast, make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Also, if you've learned one little thing from the show, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review. It means a lot to me and I read them all. I'll see you guys in the next one. Thanks so much.